This is Smart Women, Smart Power, a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. I wanted to make a center where they could learn and read and come together and do something that would help them. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business and development. I'm Beverly Kirk, the director of the Smart Women, Smart Power Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. This episode is a part of our special Smart Girls, Smart Power series, where we feature conversations with young women who are change makers in their communities. The Gorkha earthquake struck near Kathmandu in central Nepal on April 25, 2015. The 7.8 magnitude quake wreaked havoc on several surrounding towns, including the small village of Barpak, some 6,000 feet above sea level. Before the earthquake, Barpak had about 1,400 homes. Afterwards, fewer than 20 were still standing. 72 people were killed. Maya Pondy is an 11th grader from Northern Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. She attended school in Nepal during her early childhood and still has family there. After hearing about the earthquake, she knew she had to do something. Maya began an online fundraising campaign to raise money to build a children's learning center in Barpak and raised more than $6,000. Since 2015, she has traveled to Barpak twice to build the reading center and a multimedia center. I sat down with Maya to discuss her work and what she plans to do next. Maya, welcome to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You spent part of your childhood in Nepal. Tell our listeners what life was like there. So I was very young when we left Nepal, but I was born there and I lived there until I was about four. And then after that, we moved to Pakistan and we moved to the U.S. when I was eight. But we would come back every other summer, every third summer to see my grandparents, come back to Nepal when I was younger. It was very different to what... (laughs) From what I remember, um, going back, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. I went to preschool. It was really fun. But every summer after when I came back, it was still nice to see um, my family and things like that. But I definitely got to see Nepal in like a lot a broader scope. Uh Yeah, we got to visit different areas and different cities. We're talking to you because you have done this project where you've built a library, essentially, and a media center in the uh, town of Barpak, which was incredibly devastated by the earthquake in 2015. So how did you decide, once the earthquake happened, um, how did you decide that that would be what you did in order to help the people uh, there where your family lives? Yeah, so I definitely wanted to do something after the earthquake happened because I still have family that lives there and my cousins, they were all like fundraising at their schools and I wanted to do something like that. So originally I wanted to go there and teach like English at a school or something like that. But we had one of our friends come over for dinner and he is a hydropower entrepreneur and he lives in the village and he came and he said, like you should really do something that only you can do, something that will make an impact because anyone can come and teach, but you should do, you should make something, you should create something. I started doing my research. I started thinking about what kids my age would want and how the earthquake could have impacted them. And I thought like their school hadn't been running for a few months. There was still a lot of rebuilding taking place. And a lot of the kids were just bored. They didn't have anything to do. So I wanted to make a center where they could learn and read and come together and do something that would help them and you know bring them together. 
Tell me more about the centers. Uh, you know, how do you how did you manage that? Because I can only I can only think that building something, you're here. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we went there and the first time around we fundraised over the whole year. We raised six thousand dollars. Our goal was five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But when we got there, we started blogging and people started like sending more money. And yeah, that really helped us kickstart the project. We went there. We went to every children's book publisher. We got all the books. We made the track, we got all the furniture, we had some made. And when we got there, we made sure to leave aside some money to keep the center running. So we got three girls to help us build everything. They were girls from the village. Um, Their names are Sanji, Zita, and Kairani. And we left behind a salary for them so that they could be paid to keep the center running and make sure everything was in order. What were some of the things that you learned in terms of pulling all of this together? Well, I learned how hard it was to actually manage something and get it to run. We had to talk a lot with the school, with the village. We had to work with a lot of different groups of people to make it a reality. So I remember them telling us that at first it would be housed in a temporary shelter and then there it would have to be moved several times and we had to talk to the school and we had to talk to like different children and the alumni association. So I realized like it really does take a village to make um, a center like that. And we worked with everyone. They were incredibly friendly and helpful. So that's one thing I learned. And this town, uh, Bar Park, is not exactly the easiest place to get to. So talk about some of the challenge you had in just getting all of the supplies there. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we took an off-road vehicle and we drove for like seven hours, maybe. We had all this things in the back and on top of the car and it was during the monsoon time when we went there so the roads were terrible and we had to get some porters so women from the village would carry all our furniture up and it was amazing they got there before we even did but we walked up the trails um past where the cars couldn't go and some of the (laughs) challenges were like leeches and like difficult roads to walk in, but yeah, it wasn't anything compared to actually making the center. So it was like, it was a rough start, but it kind of paid off when we got there because yeah, the village is beautiful. And when you get there, it's like, ah, this is why I've been walking for so long. What was the reaction when you initially brought this idea to the people in the community there? Were they excited? Were they a little nervous? Tell me what, tell me what went on. Well, they were definitely excited. I think they were, um, They were waiting to see what would happen because a lot of people put a lot of help into that area after the earthquake happened. A lot of different organizations were trying to help in different ways. So I think um, finding something for the children to do and something for um, the younger population of Barpak, I think it was something different that we could bring in there. So I think they were excited for things like that. Um, But after it actually happened and kids started coming, when I came back, they were finally like, oh, this, this is really helping and things like, yeah. And can you describe what the center looks like? Is it, uh, you know, books in one section and then you have a media center. Tell us what's in the media center as well. Yeah. So in the reading and learning center, we have shelves of books. We have over a thousand books in there and we keep bringing more. Um, And there are all kinds of posters everywhere. And in the multimedia center, it's set up more like a classroom. We have desks and chairs. And then we have a projector, an overhead projector and two laptops and and um, speakers set up all around the room, different shelves with other learning materials, and kids can just go there, sit down, build things with Legos, learn how to 
code with our different programs that we've had there, watch an educational video. So it's a lot more like a classroom where you can sit down and actually do things. And what was the impact? You mentioned that the kids were bored mm. after the earthquake, their school had been destroyed and they didn't have anything to do. Talk about the impact that the center has had. And how long did it take you to get it to get it all together from the time you decided to do it post-earthquake until it was up and running as a fully functioning place? After the earthquake happened, it was a year later, we spent the whole year fundraising. And from the fall to the summer, we set up a crowdfunding campaign on GoFundMe. And we raised about half our money from there, maybe, maybe a little more, um, emailing our relatives, friends. And then the other half of like the $6,000, we had bake sales, yard sales, book sales, all kinds of sales. Um, we took things from our house that we could sell for to make money. And that's how we raised the money there. And then, um, and this is probably a good time for me to tell our listeners that how I met you was that you and your friends were selling samosas. Yeah, exactly. So that was last year for the multimedia center. Same kind of process. We would sell samosas and lemonade, um, and we'd sell them in front of fair trade stores such as Ten Thousand Villages, where I met in you. Alexandria, Virginia, which yeah. is where we met. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, so we'd set up. We had all those fundraisers and bake sales and everything, and took a full year for the fundraising. That was probably the hardest part. When we went to Nepal, it only took about a week in Kathmandu where we gathered all the materials. We talked to different people. We got the porters. We got everything set. And then in the village of Barpak, we spent about two weeks setting up everything for both the multimedia center and the um, learning center. Going back to the first point, so we talked to the girls that were there, and um, we still try to keep in contact with them, and they tell us that the kids that go there, even on a slow day, there are about like 10 or more that show up, so the kids definitely use the center a lot, and we had, so when we created the multimedia center, we had like the first day, like an open house kind of thing, and kids just streamed in. There were kids outside looking through the windows because they couldn't fit in the room. It was crazy. They all seemed so excited. So I think, I hope that they use it and they're learning a lot from it. We've had other organizations um, bring books in there too, so, or send books from around the area. So I think it's reached them in that way that they've gotten access to a lot more reading materials and books and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you were able to do all of this with a little more than $6,000. That does It sounds like a lot of money, and yet it doesn't sound like a lot of money. It sounds like you did a whole lot yeah. with a little. Can you talk about, uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, it was kind of crazy because in the U.S., creating a whole learning center would take like thousands and thousands of dollars, and we probably could not have raised that much in the time that we had. But going to Nepal to buy all the books, we went to different publishers. We got huge bundle deals and it was a lot cheaper to get books that way and also in the village to keep it running um, we had a lot of help in that um, sector too but the girls that we paid to keep it running it was a lot in like for their standards that we paid them we paid them about like $25 a month but it was very it was cheap compared to um, the U.S. how Mm -hmm. like the $25 there goes a lot farther than $25 here. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot less opportunities for girls to work and things like that over there. So yeah, that definitely cut down our costs a lot. Now, is the center focused specifically on young girls or are young boys able to come in and use the, the facility as well? So we wanted those girls to work 
to keep the center running because they were very responsible and they worked with us to make it happen in the first place. But everyone's invited to the center, both the multimedia center and the learning center. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how you fundraised for this. So are you still trying to get more books or more computers? What do you do now? You've got it established. Yeah. Um, how do you keep it going in perpetuity? So we're definitely trying to keep it expanding and bring more books every time, bring maybe another computer or two next time we go there. So one of the main things for me was making it sustainable. So this time we tried to make the center a little bit more sustainable. So we brought a projector and we brought a screen and we wanted them to screen educational videos, but they could also use that on the weekends to charge like five rupees for a movie. And that would hopefully raise some more funds to help them keeping it going. And obviously we'd still fundraise and bring money back for them, but we just wanted to have a way for them to keep their center going on their own funds mm-hmm. and things like that. You talked about some of the lessons that you learned uh, about how complicated this could be, but what are some other lessons that you that you may have learned personally ab- about doing a project like this? Yeah, so it definitely helped me. It became it made me a much stronger leader. So I learned how to actually take charge of a situation and um, try to help other people, like help make my vision come true. So I had to learn to work with a lot of different people, which was Mm -hmm. nice. But especially the girls that I met there, it was really nice because I actually became friends with some of them. And um, especially the three that are working there now, I got to learn more about their village and their way of life and things like that. And um, yeah, so I learned a lot of lessons on how to make things happen. And also, I made a lot of friends there. So that was nice to learn. And you've taken those lessons and brought them here to the Washington, D.C. area because you also created a girls' IT camp Mm -hmm. here in the Washington area. Tell me about that and how it's connected to what you did. So between the summer of creating the Learning Center and the Multimedia Center, which was summer of 2017, I wanted to do something for my own community to help girls, especially Nepali girls in the U.S. and in Virginia where I lived. So first I wanted to do something with refugee girls or immigrant girls um, because we moved to the U.S. too when I was younger. And we learned, so my parents came here for work or education reasons, but a lot of people come to the U.S. from Nepal on a lottery system and they really don't have as many opportunities for learning or doing things as I did when I was younger. So especially over the summer when school's out, I definitely in my childhood did lots of camps and like learning camps and educational fun camps, things like that. So I wanted to give them an opportunity to do something like that too. So our camp that we created was focused towards more middle school girls so that we could really get their attention in STEM topics before they went to high school and hopefully they could expand upon that. Yeah, so I created the Girls Get IT camp. I taught, I managed the camp and taught like internet security, safety, things like that. And we had our family friends and my sister helped too. She taught coding and things like that on software such as like Scratch. And um, someone else taught, my family friend, she taught robotics. And the youngest one, who is 11, another family friend of ours, she did art. So, yeah, it was it was a blast. It was really fun. And um, the girls in our community, I think they really enjoyed it, too. So. And is this something that you want to continue? How many times have you done the camp? So summer of 2017 was our first time. 
after that, we wanted to make the multimedia center. And this year, I want to do something for the community again. So another camp like that or something like that to help out. So I was thinking every other summer in Nepal and here doing something um, like that. Kind so of going back and forth. One summer you spend in Nepal. <laughs> one summer you do the IT camp in Northern Virginia. Yeah, exactly. So one summer helping Nepal itself and one summer helping um, Nepali girls who are in Virginia, just like me. What else is next for you? So this summer, I'm really trying to think of ideas to do things here. <laughs> so as I said before, yeah. a camp like that or something. So we started fundraising. Again, we have um, different events coming up and things like that. But we're still thinking of exactly what to do that's kind of ties in, but different from the projects we've done before. By what I meant by what's next, you're an 11th grader. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is do you see yourself as a social entrepreneur? Is this a career path for you? Or is this just your way of giving back? Well, for it started as my way of giving back. But um, I've definitely considered something like that. I really like creating things and um, really starting things and letting it help people and like letting them sustain it themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'll see where it takes me. But for now, I want to keep doing this kind of thing and creating more things that'll help people. Well, before I let you go, I have to ask, since you did create a library with lots of books, um, do you have a passion for books? Yeah, I do really like books. I really like learning. So um, it started with a learning center. I wanted to bring books for the girls. And when we brought computers, I wanted to bring um, different STEM things in there too, different STEM topics. and. Yeah, so I really do like learning myself, and I really like. Uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunities I've had in learning, so I wanted to spread that too. And do you have a favorite book? I don't know if I have a favorite book. I've read a few good ones recently. One I read recently that was good was called Just Mercy. Mm -hmm. It's about um, law in Alabama and um, basically how people are underrepresented in law in law and things like that. But I don't know if I have a favorite book. Well, Maya Pandy. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much for being here with me on Smart Women, Smart Power. Thank you so much. <laughs> Subscribe to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.